So we're here after the AOPA Policy Forum, and uh, uh, we want to say, start with finding out a little bit about your forest stump and uh, the experiences with the 1,500 miles and all of that that you and Natalie have had. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been a whirlwind adventure. Um, well, I'll start you know way back in, when I was 10 years old. I was diagnosed with bone cancer and uh, had my first chemo treatment on Halloween. I was dressed up as a jailbird, you know, hooked up to the chemo drugs. And no. um, just thinking about that, you know, just brings back this, this memory. But from that date and then uh, in December, you know, just a couple months later, they had to, we made the decision that in order to save my life, we had to amputate my leg. Um, and so I had my leg amputated on Martin Luther King Day that year, which was a really special day in my, in my heart. But, um, you know, by that June, I'd already, you know, I'd beaten cancer. My hair is starting to grow back a little bit. And now I'm kind of going up against the challenge of having to deal with a prosthetic. And, you know, the only thing I really wanted to do that summer was to go play in the water with my friends because I grew up in Michigan and, you know, the Great Lakes up there. So, um, but what I, I learned was that my leg wasn't waterproof. And so I was really bummed about that. And so my family wrote into insurance and they said, like, can we get Nicole a waterproof leg so that she can play with her friends, so that she can go to water parks, so that she can shower with it, you know, so this doesn't have to be a limitation that she faces for the rest of her life. And insurance wrote back and said, you know, it's a convenience item, it's not medically necessary. Um, and so we didn't really push it or, you know, do anything about it because we just thought, you know, no meant no. And um, also at that point, my family had already gone through a lot of medical bills, and so it, we didn't have the money to pay for it out of pocket. Um, so that was kind of the first experience that I had in terms of the prosthetic realm and not being able to access the care that I needed. Um, and then when I was 16, I, you know, I started playing softball and I started getting really active and running 5Ks. My leg would break down a lot, um, and so we also started seeing in the media a lot of running blades. And so we tried to, to get one of those and again were denied. Um, but it wasn't really until this past year that I got, you know, really just kind of fed up with the system and the fact that I've been dealing with the same barriers over and over again for 16 years. Um, and I was having this, you know, new leg built and, it ended, and we were trying to find a different technology that would be covered by insurance. Um, but that would allow me to continue running half marathons and, you know, bike races and 5Ks and everything. Um, and 26 appointments, a year later, I basically uh, had to settle for the same technology that I'd had for the past, like, five years. Um, and then not only that, but, like, add in all the different healthcare conversations that are growing around and add in you know, the thing that happened in New York with the One Limb for Life, um, which basically said that amputees were only going to be guaranteed, you know, one limb for their entire life. And that got me really fired up, and I was like, you know, we've got to do something about this. And I felt very lucky, and I felt like, you know, I saved my, you know, I had my life, I had a great education, and I want to be able to use that to make a difference. And so, we were kind of brainstorming, like, okay, what can we do? And I'm like, well, I'm super active, so it's definitely going to be something, you know, athletic. Um, and we were talking about running across the country. Um, and we're like, oh, you know, we thought of Forrest Gump and that story. And so that's where the name Forrest Stump came about. Um, but I, I love more than just running. Like, I love to run, I love to swim, I love to bike. And so that's where we wanted to make it a triathlon down the West Coast um, because we felt like, well, no one's really done the, 
you know, a triathlon down the west coast. At, let's start in Seattle, let's end in San Diego. Um, and so our first two days were these 100 mile, 100 mile rides. We had to swim across the Columbia River as the Columbia River Gorge fire was breaking out. I'm literally swimming, oh you know, 1.6 miles and the ash is falling down on me while I'm swimming. Swam underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, biked huge amounts of elevation and miles and then finally, well, at that point, I had to replace my foot on my leg because it actually broke. And that was one of the, you know, main concerns I had too at the beginning was, you know, I just had this leg built, you know, 1,500 miles later, is it going to still be usable or am I going to now not have a leg because it's the only leg that I have. Um, but luckily, End Light was able to donate a, a foot and so we replaced it with that. And then when we got to San Diego, um, the Challenge Athletes Foundation and OSER and Microsoft teamed up and they donated a running blade to me and um, the presentation of that, uh, they called me up on stage and I thought I was just going to talk about Forrest Stump and like some of our journey um, and then they present this to me and you can just imagine like I was bawling my eyes out on stage in front of everybody and my family's in the crowd and they're bawling their eyes out and it, I mean just to have access or to have someone um, you know, recognize me and say, like, you're worthy of this technology it was, you know, really emotional for me to come to that point. I'm going to try not to cry <laughs> thinking about okay, it. Okay, emotional, I'm going to cry. cry. <laughs> um, but, I mean, more people deserve that, that opportunity, and that's why I feel like, you know, I can't stop doing what I'm doing, and why we can't stop doing what we're doing is more amputees need access to that. Um, and, and I think a big thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, you see ads every day with Paralympians or amputees who have access to these amazing technologies. Or you might see a TED Talk with Amy Purdy who has, you know, 12 legs or other people who, or other veterans who might have five legs. And I've had people come up to me and say, like, hey, can I see your other legs? And like, no, like, this is the only one I got. You know, it's $15,000. If I wanted, you know, a running blade, it would cost $20,000 and I'd have to pay for it out of pocket. And I think a lot of people just don't realize that that's the reality for the average amputee. Um, and you know, I have to give a shout out to, to Natalie and to my whole team that uh, you know helped make this happen. Um, you know, Natalie and then my mom and my friend Kathleen. But Natalie actually helped build this leg, uh, build this leg, and that's what allowed me to, to carry me 1,500 miles down the coast. Um, and it's a, a record. A recognition of the talent that goes into the field and the importance of you know looking at the industry from many different perspectives um, and seeing that the issues that affect me you know it's not just about you know paying for a leg it's about empowering the uh, prosthetists and the clinicians and the business people to make sure that they have the resources to be able to provide these kinds of limbs. I was going to just yeah. ask you Natalie mm -hmm. what your experience was was like in, in terms of being both the, the support mechanism in yeah. a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Um, for, I, for would have, I would have loved to be the mechanic behind the scenes in the car, you know, just driving alongside, but that wasn't going to happen. Um, so I was on a bike the whole time with Nicole, well, except for a short duration, uh, but that's, you can see that in the documentary, I'm sure. Um, but I, I commend Nicole for the idea of Forrest Dump just because the, the whole goal wasn't out of a, a place of selfishness. Like she had faced the same barriers over and over and over and over for 16 years, but we didn't set out to 
get attention or raise money for herself. We didn't set out to get a running blade. We didn't. It was all a bigger scope. So as a prosthetist, I'm I'm new into the field, but it doesn't take long to kind of discover where we can implement some change. Um, so I was able to provide some information and some. I guess some advice on how we're going to make a bigger impact, and that's through policy, which is exactly why we're here. Forest Stump, um, aligning with AOPA, aligning with Amputee Coalition, that's the only way we're going to be able to make a change, and it's going to come through policy. Um, there are certain people in little niches that have access to prosthetic technology that's appropriate, um, but it's not, it's not universal. It's not for everyone. And that's all we're advocating for, is for appropriate technology given to amputees that's really going to make an impact in their lives. We're not advocating for every amputee to get a running blade, because that's not appropriate. We're not advocating for every single amputee out there to get a microprocessor knee, or the most expensive, or the most beautiful, realistic-looking things. We're just asking for what's appropriate, and that uh, the technology that's available be accessible for all amputees. So that's that's kind of the mission statement of Forest Stump. And, I found out that this 1,500 mile journey is probably the first of many crazy things that I've, I've signed up for, <laughs> being part of Forest Dump and knowing uh, Nicole and I have a very close relationship with Nicole, so I'm sure we, she's got more things pondering, <laughs> so sleeves. I welcome those. <laughs> I bet you had great meetings today. Oh yeah. We did. We did. You know, the, I have a really good friend that's done the Ironman, and he's oh, done, yeah. so he's done triathlons his whole life. And I have never heard him say that, boy, I was really worried at the end of that race I wouldn't have my leg. Yeah. And I think that statement right there just hit me so hard. I think today, I don't know, in your meetings today, it's like we've had this conversation about medically necessary. Mm -hmm. How about life necessary? Yeah. What's yeah. my life necessary means for, do I want to finish this 15-mile race or, a, you know, a three-mile swim and, get, and worry that I don't have my leg? Yeah. I think, yeah. and, it, and it's there. So the devices that we're talking about here, are, is it? And you have someone in the insurance world who is viewing paper information. They have, they, they have, may have photos of you being fit in the office, but they don't have you photos of you living your life. Your documentary, which is going to be phenomenal, because that will yeah. tell the picture. I was in tears when you were telling your story earlier. I think that's what yeah. it's all about, and I, I'm sure that came across today. I hope it did. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it now, so I'm sure it did. <laughs> so for a lot of what we had done down the coast and the things that we had learned, like I'm kind of using Natalie as my earpiece to kind of figure out, well, why are, these th why are the things the way they are? But everything just started to fall into place yesterday when we started talking about the spe specific legislation, the specific issues, hearing from so many different people about the uh, challenges that are out there and actually things that we can advocate for to make change. And today, a, a lot of the conversation surrounded the fact that uh, the things that we want changed are these foundational building blocks uh, within prosthetics and within orthotics. And um, this morning, we had a really fantastic conversation with Representative uh, Susan Delbaney. And uh, so being from Washington, being uh, living in Bothell, like we, we connected with her uh, on education. We connected with her about, you know, prosthetics. You know, I took my leg off. I, I handed it to her. You know, she's kind of looking at it and, you know, like... Never I, had one of these meetings before, right? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, why isn't it waterproof? Like, she was really curious. She was asking questions. And then her aide uh, let us know that his sister 
actually works uh, or is a student in orthotics and prosthetics. And so then it started to come out in the conversation, um, you know, these connections that people have. Um, and we only had maybe like 10, you know, 15 minutes with her and she had to run out to uh, do, a, do a vote. But um, it was powerful just within that amount of time and um, the information we were able to get across to her um, because we were so well prepared from the day before. Um, but she, you know, you could tell that she connected with the issue. And I felt uh, very empowered to tell my story, but then also to be surrounded by people who could back me up and give me, you know, their perspective and, you know, the, um, the Improvements Act, you know, Veterans Choice. Um, and also, you know, the thing that I really connected with was the Wounded Warriors Enhancement Act, too, like fueling education for people like Natalie. But we also had a really great meeting after that person. So the next person was the legislative aide. Um, named Nico Jansen for uh, Senator Cantwell. And, you know, he was, again, I took my leg off in every single meeting and I handed it to a person to hold because I, I really wanted them to, like, see it and feel it. And uh, I got emotional in that meeting. And, you know, I could tell that he was really connected with me in the issue, too. And, you know, we talked to, to him about, in April, um, David Boone set aside a week and we invited them um, or Senator Campbell to come and let's have a, an open house and like we'll come and talk and speak with her um, and he you know he sounded really interested in that and we talked about the different issues and then he was able to kind of synthesize uh, the various things that we had said and, and, and say like what I'm hearing from you are you know these issues that are happening in other areas and so it really resonated with him on a, a more a broader scale about the challenges within prosthetics and amputees that are also being faced by other people in healthcare, um, which is another that was a great meeting. Um, you can't imagine the platform that that sets. I've met with Nico before, but I know the meeting will be different the next time because he's had the experience of walking through this with you. So that, yeah. that's a side of this that we that we miss. I, I think. Yeah, and, and just talking to him about the fact that, you know, the offices is right across the across the way from Cardin and um, I mean to build that try and collaboration together is, is really important and kind of setting the stage for, you know, potentially to move these things forward. So, so uh, you've you brought your advocacy here. Uh, is there anything you know, this is a kind of debriefing, any suggestions either you or Natalie has about how we could do this better, how we could engage more people in doing this. Um. Yeah, I think one of the big things that I've um, heard today kind of as a theme from multiple people um, is the concept of getting younger people involved and, you know, people that are my age, Natalie's age, um, involved in this type of uh, this type of work because these are the people who are going to have I mean there's a lot of movements going on right now people that want to get out there and want to be active uh, in politics and really make a stand uh, a stance for these type of things um, and so that if there's some you know to try and make I mean prosthetics are already sexy you know in terms of like Toyota and you know the ads that they do or the Paralympians and the more that we can get some of these you know big time amputees to that people know about to speak out about these issues the more people that we're going to draw in and we got to find people that aren't just amputees we need to find people that are in the field that are prosthetists that are orthotists but even beyond that people who are 
triathletes, people who are advocates for education, people who are advocates for human rights, like expanding the pot so that people see this issue and say like, hey, this isn't right. Like I want Nicole to be able to have a leg so that she can run with me. And we need to be able to expand this message to, to more people. And so I think we need to build up some sort of, you know, groundswell and a movement of sorts and, and get more young people involved. Well, maybe we can coordinate with you both for next year. I'm sure there are a lot of young people who are interested in your story. Yeah. And maybe we could uh, engage some of those folks to be part of, of this advocacy. I mean... For me, I've been an amputee for 16 years, and you know nothing resonant, resonates more with me than the fact that I had my amputation on Martin Luther King Day, um, and a speech that he gave was the fierce urgency of now, and us getting more involved, and us, you know, I can't, for me as an amputee, I don't want to wait any longer to have access to these things, and I think we can all band together and use a collective voice and. You know, my voice is very small in, in the amputee world. There's only two million of us, and that's a very small number percentage compared to the number of people that are out there. Um, and so we need more people to advocate and help lift my voice up. And so I want to invite people to come with me to D.C. as part of Forsump, as part of AOPA, um, to advocate for prosthetics and orthotics and, and you know, push some uh, policy forward that's going to open access to technology and to care and to really empower people in, in their lives.